welcome to episode 37 of The Front Lounge with Congos. I'm Johnny Congos, and these are my brothers and Colton. Hi. Cookie. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hey, guys. What's up? Um, so this is most likely the last podcast before tour podcasts, right? Yeah. We got this cool little device called a Mix Pre 10 that we're recording this podcast on, and it's very small and portable, and we're going to do some on the bus. I think it should be fun. Yeah, yeah. We'll do Who makes it? Uh, sound devices. Yeah. Oh yeah! Shout out to sound devices. They yeah, gave us this cool. Yeah. They do uh, all like the little. F- anytime you hear a movie that's well recorded, it's somebody out there with a little device following the actors around with a furry microphone. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do podcast. It would be nice to do them on the bus. You know, we'll have a variety of people on there. We can talk about the events of the day. I think they can be more kind of um, serialized and topical because we'll have. We might get a short one in before tour rehearsals or something, yeah, maybe, because yeah. the crew's coming out, and uh, we're going to have a little mini two, three-day reunion, learning our shit and everybody <laughs> getting what they need to get together mm-hmm. before we get on the bus. Um, and, oh, who who did that tweet the other day that was talking about, or the Instagram that was talking about all our dead-to-us crew members? Me. Oh. You forgot Corpus Christi. I ended up adding it. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, for whatever reasons, not all the same crew gets to come out on each tour. And so we we give them the, we might have talked about this before, but I, it's kind of fun talking about all the, the nicknames that we give them for the crew members who are now dead to us because they're not on this tour. <laughs> it started with a good friend of ours who did merch. His name was Derek. And when he, he quit after one tour because he thought he was going to love it and he realized it's not for him. So now he's dead to us, Derek. And then it's actually merch guys. For us, it's not drummers like in Spinal Tap. It's merch guys. The next Colton. one was Muerto Matt. Merch guys tend to just quit. And mm-hmm. Colton's the first one that hasn't quit yet. <laughs> I've only been on two tours. Yeah, we haven't told him about the, hey, that's the greener two more pastures than, anywhere else. <laughs> that's two more than most than the previous two merch guys. Wow. Yeah, Three merch guys. Yeah. Colton's just, been making us work this week. We got yeah. all the uh, VIP city-specific posters that I designed. We only printed up 20 of each for each city, and that's it. We will never print any more. So they're super limited, but he's making us sign them all because in the last two tours, he's had a really shit job of chasing us down every single day trying to get signatures for it. So he's like, listen, you fuckers, you're signing these all before we get on the bus. And he's not wrong. Every time I walk into the studio, there's a new batch, and it's like it's like I'm being served. You know, it's like he's chased me down. It's like you've been served. Sign these fucking posters. <laughs> well, he sent us a text the other day. It said, "Merry Christmas, guys. <laughs> we have a hundred and how many is it? Twenty-seven cities times twenty posters. Uh, so whatever that is, it's close. You know, it's five hundred over five hundred posters, and then plus all the other VIP posters that all the other tiers get. So that's another five hundred to a thousand of those posters. So we have like 1,500 posters to sign. Basically what you're saying is our signature is completely overinflated. (laughs) (laughs) Under, you mean oversupplied? Yeah, oversupplied. Yeah, so the podcasts on the bus are going to be fun because we have, it's 12 to a bus. Usually we don't have that many people to a bus. There's only 12 bunks on a bus. So there's, um, usually we have 10 max, maybe 11. So you at least have one bunk free. It's called the junk bunk where you can throw all your extra shit but this time it's 12 of us um, in the middle of winter with big jackets and boots and everyone's backpacks and stuff. So it, I think we'll probably have a back lounge 
that's just covered up. Like we won't have a back lounge to hang out in, so the yeah. front lounge podcast will really make sense. And also, Here's twelve people. You can only ever sit like ten people in the front lounge. Two people most, always yeah. standing. The upside is that it's going to be so cold that we'll we'll be glad to huddle for warmth. You know, everyone. <laughs> you know. There'll be six people sitting and then six people on laps. Maybe we can. Right. Do Why do they make bunks? They should just make one big bed. On <laughs> Maybe we can do the podcast from our bunks. We could just get into bed. Well, if we got wireless mics, that's, that's, that's actually a, a good idea. Get wireless mics. Yeah. And, um, you know, no, we just wire. I mean, yeah, we could, yeah, could, we run, could just cables. run cables between each of the bunks. <laughs> I mean, that way we could talk to each other. Mick, uh, Mick, <laughs> come in. Colton, you're going to keep your same bunk? I'm gonna try. There's gonna be a lot of people I don't think fighting anyone's... for that uh, top bunk. Yeah, no one's gonna be fighting for the top for that. bunk. Um, yeah. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you say that's a joke, I laugh. <laughs> Didn't you guys see Bill Burr this last week? As a few weeks ago. Oh, a few, few weeks, weeks ago. ago. No, that's what it was. Never mind. He's doing f- six nights at the Comedy Store this week. Jeez. Oh, oh, yeah. He's setting he's, up for a new special. Yeah, he's re- recording a new special, going on a European tour or something soon. So he's been working out his new stuff at the Comedy Store. It was also cool. I watched the new Pete Holmes special, mm-hmm. and we were at the Comedy Store, like, I don't know, last year sometime, and he, he was just starting some of the bits that he ended up using in his special. Yeah. So it's always cool to see those make it into a special when you've seen them just being tried out at a club. Yeah. What was his the, the hysteria? I won't even try and do it, but he has a bit about how we should just stop using ways and just oh, yeah. stop doing those turns. Because <laughs> particularly in LA, it's ridiculous. It wants you to turn left where there's no possibility of turning right, left, yeah. you know? I, mean, yeah. I think other people made those kind of jokes about it, but he had a nice take on it, which is like, where are you going? Or like, what are you? So <laughs> like you really you want to get to work, work an extra early? five, yeah. ten minutes early? <laughs> you consider the job that you hate for an extra five minutes? Yeah, I like this pod- is, uh, special. He found a new take on the afterlife discussion. I haven't watched was, it yet, so let's not, let's oh, yeah, not well, read out the whole special on the podcast. Did you do a dogs and cats <laughs> thing? I'm always amazed when somebody can do a dogs and cats joke and make and get a new take on it. Oh, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's one of those things if you've it's been like so Egyptian used. It's like Egyptian times fucking jokes. It's like the fucking blue scale. <laughs> the thing about we- Waze is it's really annoying for the most part, but there's been a couple times where like going to the airport where it's ridiculously intelligent. Like I'll be on, you can be on a freeway and it tells you to get off on an exit. And it's one of those exits that just goes along the freeway for about a mile. Yeah, and then you can road, get yeah. back onto it, like a surface yeah, road that parallel to the freeway. And you skip like 10, 15 minutes of traffic sometimes. Well, see, the thing is this. I've but then everyone starts doing it and then that road gets clogged. I forget who it was. There's an AI guy or AI expert on the Joe Rogan podcast. And they were talking about how idiotic the current traffic system is the traffic lights are stuck in this really ancient technology whereas now if you think about each device could be connected to the internet monitoring everything that goes by it and adjusting traffic light systems and everything to make the flow probably be significantly better it's another one of those things like there's certain things they should just sell to google or apple or some like there was some little town in England. It wouldn't work with places with four-lane, you know, surface streets and shit like that. But there was a town in the UK where they just turned off all the traffic lights and the traffic improved. <laughs> it got way better. There was no blockages because they just followed courtesy Upside. laws or, you know. Yeah. If, you know. I think people are much more uh, 
conscientious when they pull up to it. Like if you've ever pulled up to a traffic light that's broken and it's a, you know, three lane, um, four way stop, all of a sudden people become really aware and they're very courteous and they're like, they don't want to make a mistake. Whereas now with traffic lights, people turn off and it's, uh, they don't, you know, they'll, they'll run a, a late yellow light or they'll run or it's a, like the end of the fourth quarter trying to beat the buzzer you know shoot a three-pointer it's actually scary how bad the red light running is here i mean it it's, it seems like every year it's like one or two cars would go by on the red now it's three or four cars now sometimes you'll i've seen shit where you know it's green for like four seconds and somebody's trying to cut through and turn left and it's like yeah it's a, they know that you're not gonna you're not gonna go yeah Luckily, the speeds never get high enough here. I, th- I feel like, at least on the surface streets, you're not going to get in a fatal accident easily here because it's moving so slowly. But there are, there are egomaniacs, the drivers here. They, everyone drives as though they've got the world's most important That's meeting to get to. I've been saying that, that, that LA drivers, that Phoenix drivers are extremely aggressive. I've noticed that, that where they will cut you off in a very fucking angry way. Yeah. Whereas here, they're just not even aware of you, you know, because nothing's more important than the audition they're getting to. So <laughs> <laughs> it's this narcissistic view on driving. Uh, well, yeah, I'm definitely going somewhere more important than you, so fuck off. Everyone's an egomaniac here, even the pedestrians. They'll, like, the guy crossed the street in front of me today, not at a crosswalk, not at a stoplight, nothing, just in the middle, like jaywalking. And I had to slow down. And he looks at the car and he goes, fuck you. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> um, should we talk about the packages that have been arriving for you, you mental cases going on this winter tour? It's like fucking uh, Portlandia, you know. Got to get the gear. Hey, when you're you when you're an adult, you got to buy your own Christmas presents. So <laughs> we've been, you know, making up for adult years of. We got some slippers and a parka. Yeah, it's gonna be freezing on this tour, and none of us are really wintered clothing prepared especially colton colton's the most unprepared for winter touring so he barely owns a pair of pants just jackets and gloves and stuff from billabong and amazon and everything just been arriving daily to the place <laughs> in fact didn't the uh ups guy come up or someone came up yesterday and he's like wasn't i here just yesterday or just like earlier today it was the same day he delivered that twice was the instacart guy oh that was instacart yeah yeah <laughs> hey guys let's play a game called what's the High on Monday in Winnipeg. Negative, negative ten. Close. Negative nine. Mm. Ooh, the high. The low is negative twenty-one. Fuck. Mm. They should move Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> they should call I'm, it Loser Peg. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to be a good show, but yeah. fuck me, I don't know how people do live there. That, that's they, that brutal. Just, you get used to it, I guess. I don't know. What was? Yeah. Heard something about this town in Siberia that is the coldest place on earth, can, in, oh, ha- inhabited place on earth. There's a small little town there. I think it's like less than 100 people, somewhere around there, consistently in the negative 40s and 50s. Mm. And basically people are in, under constant threat of frostbite, just walking between their houses. Yeah, you know, like, your eye, your, like any moisture on you freezes instantly. It's like those uh, cryotherapy things, you know, where yeah. you go to now and they, it drops you down that thing. You they have obviously haven't careful. seen those sandals ads. This, uh, or like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, the Club Med ads. 
They don't need those. They get ads for Winnipeg, and they're like, "Oh, can you imagine? Only negative <laughs> twenty-one. What a delight!" <laughs> this Norwegian guy I've met was talking about that. He's he's a foreman or something, or he works on like concrete, doing the concrete for tunnels and stuff like that. And um, he was talking about how the coldest he's ever experienced was you can only he was you could only see through his eyes. That's how covered up he was. But he was working, and the hammer was freezing. As he would knock ice off the hammer, and then ice would build. He could watch it in real time. Ice build up on the hammer. Like, Move somewhere else. God damn it. <laughs> there's, and there's, where did he work? Like on an oil rig or something? Or? Uh, I don't know, on a tunnel or something like that. Because we met a couple of those guys when we were in Alaska playing those shows that go work in the Arctic Circle on oil rigs. Yeah. And those are crazy jobs. Yeah. And they get paid handsomely for them because they're incredibly dangerous and like yeah. very risky jobs but the handsome ones get paid more <laughs> <laughs> um well we got some news i guess we should probably fill fill in all the people listening um album comes out january 18th but on january 2nd ticket holders uh will have a, a link to the album a private link to the album if you've bought tickets for our 1929 tour but we decided uh, since you Patreon users are so loyal that we're going to give a link to uh, the Patreon users as well to preview the album for a whole two weeks before it actually comes out. So for only $2 a month, you get ad-free podcast and now a preview of the album. Yeah, and if you're a Patreon this, uh, subscriber, we'll send out a message on Patreon with where to go listen to that. If you're a ticket holder, you need to go to congos.com slash 1929 and you sign up there, put in your ticket confirmation number, and then you get emailed a link that will go live on the second to listen to the album. And yeah, that's we bought ourselves a nice bottle of scotch, as we do every year when we finish an album. Every year, it. I mean every Good album, time, every yeah. album, yeah. <laughs> every five years when we finish an album. Well, we bought one for bus call too. Uh, I guess we buy scotch every week. <laughs> every time we finish something of significance. But we bought, I finished my breakfast this morning. <laughs> uh, this, our average, though, should improve this year if we do our next two albums. Oh, yeah. yeah. By, the end of, by the end of this year, we'll have, what is that? It's going to be album six. We're going to be like a real band. Yeah, Which, I don't what know. What are we uh, on right now? Is this four? This is four. I feel like quantity's obviously overrated. I just saw some rapper put out a 40-song album. And there's no fucking way that most of those songs are, deserve to be out in the world. Mm-hmm. Just people like literally hitting record, print, right, and yeah. th- that's it. You know, it's 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 everyone's. If you count our like podcasts, we've released a lot of albums. That's why we, our next <laughs> album will be called Safe to Dropbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's one thing for a instagram post or a podcast you know it is more throwaway we're not claiming these podcasts or things we've put a lot of work into but there's just been this because there's so much content available i think everyone feels like they need to keep up and put as much out and maybe that's not the way to think about it yeah yeah no i i don't think we should think but i mean we just have a backlog of material that yeah no i mean that's what like you're saying when you average ours out it's we're still it's going to be not that many. What if we put the next two out? It'll be an album a year for the last yeah. seven years, something. You guys watch that fight last night? No, I've been going to uh, watch fights at like UFC and boxing fights at uh, bars because it's so much more exciting when people yell. Yeah, I, well, I came and watched the one with you, the 
the Tyson Fury boxing match, and I forgot because I've—I don't know if you went. I think you were too young. But in South Africa, we went and saw a professional heavyweight boxing match, and I mm. think I feel like he was the guy that so, uh, fought Tyson, South Porter? African. I think yeah. it was Berto we saw a fight. White, so he's, uh, white buffalo. Yeah, he's called the white buffalo. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. He had a thick he didn't, skull. He didn't beat Mike Tyson, but holy shit, did he take punches from him and not go down. Yeah. Like, it was frightening. He's got to be suffering you, from that. You won't want the, you want them to go down rather than do that. Just, like, don't keep getting hit in the head. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess, whatever. You know, people do all kinds of things for money. Not every life needs to be lived to yeah, eighty, but it is crazy because it's a bit like like when you see though the the aftermath of it, and you see these guys and they can't talk and their you know arms are kind of atrophying from nerve damage and shit like that. It's kind of like seeing how the sausage is made. It's like it's oh yeah, it's depressing a bit, you know. But then you see with the statistic today I heard about like most sedentary people now live a seventy-year life and they can barely walk at the yeah, end yeah, of yeah, that from yeah, sitting yeah. in an office chair. Sure, yeah. So. Every life has got its, uh, its inherent risk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was exciting. Watching a fight in a real there's a electricity that happens in a mm. in a fight compared to any other sport. That is a weird feeling. You feel like this primal excitement that occurs when you know. I guess it's a bloodlust sort of thing. Yeah, I've not been to any event that came close to the energy of the EFC thing we went to in South Africa. Um, that was intense. Yeah, it's part of hearing that when you watch it on TV you don't hear what is you hear a, a punch you hear a guy get punched in the face like that and your little reptile brain just gets tickled and you like you know you start looking around everything you become more aware and everything but also you're so accustomed to watching movies and you think punches sound a certain way yeah yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> expecting that, and then it's it's actually much more uh, frightening the sound of a real punch yeah. landing <laughs> it's like quiet and scary mm. Uh, yeah, EFC is the African equivalent of the UFC. I think it's associated now with the UFC. Huh. And uh, we had a friend who was the lightweight champion of Africa, right? Who's yeah. Costa, Dylan's friend. Mm. Holy crap. You'd meet this guy. He was a small guy, and he would, could murder all six of us sitting in this room <laughs> in like 30 seconds. Yeah. But the nicest guy. Like, yeah, yeah. Genuinely a, like a sweetheart, little gentle person until he was in a fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like. I used to like. Uh, you know, when I took film class in high school, we'd make videos, and you know, it was fun to try and make a fight scene. And you remember we shot some of those, and yeah. uh, my friends and I made a little movie, and there was a fight scene in it. And I would always do the sound effects just simply. I would just you know record like my fist hitting my leg or something like that. You know. Yeah. And if you try and overdo the sound, it actually takes away from the look of it and so lining those sounds up and getting like a real sound of a punch all of a sudden makes it hurt more you know and i think that's what you know when a when a movie does sound well that's why there's so many technical awards for you know oscars and stuff like that the the sound mixing of a movie is so so important to the experience it's like well that's the end scene of casino is one of the most uh, violent scenes ever but it's also because of the sound yeah. again it's you know spoiler alert if you haven't seen Casino then they they beat a guy up with a baseball bat at the end but it's so shove. so realistic it's just gross yeah but when they <laughs> the funniest thing is when they show something like that and then they show they, they side screen the 
Foley artist, and he's in his little room on a wooden board running around and getting pieces of celery and breaking them in front of Michael. <laughs> <laughs> and the, you see how the sounds are made. Like, it's oftentimes, it's fucking celery. They're breaking celery all the time. <laughs> I remember seeing a little behind-the-scenes or a documentary on Foley Artists, and it was a, it was a husband-wife couple. Yeah. And they were in this little recording studio, and they just had a million props. And it, it does, when you see it, it really demystifies it. It's just like, you know, they're running around, pouring a bucket of water and then they're like playing with rice in a bucket and then you know they're holding shoes in their hands they're trying to go clip 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 (laughs) like a Portlandia skit but it must be quicker I guess even still than sitting there on a computer and editing oh yeah I mean just going through sample libraries and the sound in a movie is very underappreciated because you just take for granted that it should sound good. But very often when you watch a movie you think is bad, that's the first thing subconsciously I feel like you notice. Yeah. Like you watch that's what the ruins room, old movies. You watch the room, you know. Yeah. Obviously it's a terrible movie as far as just movie goes but if you listen to the sound it's also particularly bad and uh, terribly Except done. Except old martial arts movies. Yeah, but then it becomes like part Jackie of the Chan funny. Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee and Jet Li movies. The, the sound is so over the top and wrong, but it still it's it makes it that much better. Those like, guys established those all the it, the fight shooting like the choreography where they would double they would double the shot. So if somebody hit somebody from one angle, they would cut to the next angle and show the hit again, but just with like a microsecond. And it's and your your mind doesn't take it in that you're seeing the hit twice if it's done quickly enough. But you feel it. It's like all those little techniques about they and they they still use some of the techniques. Like when someone takes out a sword or a knife, it still goes shing. Yeah, <laughs> even though it's being taken out of like a leathered. Uh, Billy Mays here with the greatest. <laughs> <sword>. <laughs> it makes no sense, but there's a movie on the from Amazon called "You Were Never Really Here" with Walking Phoenix. The sound is really really good in it. Like, oh uh, yeah. That's a brutal. He basically beats people up with a hammer. <laughs> it's, it's not that great of a movie, but it's no. But the brutal. sound was good. <laughs> so just you know, turn off the. T- just listen to it. Did you guys hear that uh, Oregon is considering legalizing psilocybin? Yeah, I heard that. I, Gathering the signatures. Portland's going to be the most annoying place on yeah. earth. Fucking hell. <laughs> uh, actually, maybe not. Maybe this will. This is, everybody's going to need somebody to pump their fucking gas for them. <laughs> Uh, well, I've been watching Narcos, Mexico, the new Narcos, and it's a really good show, And but it's just f- constantly, like every episode, I'm just reminded of how fucking stupid the drug war has been. Like yeah. the biggest waste of resources America's ever had, other than some of the wars they've been in. Well, and um, lives. When and lives, yeah. Thousands of people, like the amount of people that died, and like innocent people that were just killed is crossfire as part of this drug war to keep people from smoking a plant. <laughs> Forget who it is. I think it's George Carlin. One of those people says, drugs can really mess up your life. So if you do drugs, we'll put you in jail and mess up your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's also just so fruitless. Like, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around what the point of the show was. I mean, like, I know the show, they were sh- telling the story, but in terms of how it played out in real life, I was like trying to, imagine aliens you know watching this happen and just them scratching their heads being like what the fuck are they doing what's going on but you see this is where you maybe it is a little conspiratorial because why is such a 
relatively harmless thing. Let's take marijuana just to separate out from like things that, you know, obviously are a little more difficult to discuss. Like, you know, you can't as easily argue that we should just have everyone doing meth. But (laughs) marijuana has its has its downsides like and if like sugar has its downsides everything has its downsides in life so why is it that it's been so uh banned and such a concern placed on it by the government is it because there no, is there think, a psychological aspect to I think their to conspiracy it? theories are true about a lot of it that there was um there was a lot of uh resistance against hemp and cannabis in the states because of tree uh because of lumber industries and stuff like that because hemp is extremely uh, practical and efficient for you know. I know paper the, and all I'm that stuff. I think the that origins. was it, but even that I can't. I can't wrap my head around how short-sighted it was because now it's legal. It's going to become illegal across the country, and corporations are going to make billions of dollars. Why? Why didn't? Why weren't they early on in that? But that's what I'm asking. I know the origins of why it was illegal and the the paper and all yeah. all that sort of thing. What I'm saying is, eventually, now it's still being fought against. Now, I guess it's, maybe it's alcohol companies that are fighting it or something, but is there something more inherent in what it does to the psychology of the masses that, that the kind of big power structures are scared of? Like, oh, yeah, I see what you're you know, hey, like Obviously, uh, there's real practical reasons that people oppose it. Like If, if you own a pain medication com- drug company and now you have this natural thing that can be easily distributed, relatively safe for minor level pain management, then of course you're going to be opposed to it. But, so those are all the kind of obvious right. ones. But. Uh, maybe there's, there's all those conspiracies. I mean, the, the prison thing is definitely uh, keeping a huge population in prison. There's tons of, you know, motivations for that bad motivations for that but um it's maybe it's just short-sightedness because the temperance movement if you were around when america was a bunch of alcoholics which they were people were going out of their mind drinking especially when they started distilling liquor and you didn't think something through you would have thought oh temperance let's just ban alcohol because you, you the evidence that this shit is bad is pretty obvious right I think it, part of it's just short-sightedness. You can't argue, most drugs have serious downsides, and if you're somebody who's interested in like social policy and you you just haven't thought three steps ahead when it doesn't prevent anybody getting the drugs anyway, then you'll be like, yeah, let's just make it illegal, and then that momentum can continue forever. Yeah, you're asking if there's like some uh, conspiracy in terms of keeping people from opening up their consciousness in terms of taking well yeah particularly th- with like weed and mushrooms and things like that it, i i maybe. mean it wouldn't surprise me there's supposed there are supposed like um accounts of people who are in mk ultra experiments and stuff like that that were that have talked about um not being allowed to uh use marijuana or that they were told that they didn't want people to use marijuana because it was uh, had such an effect on opening up people's uh minds to certain states and to uh, certain ideas that they didn't want the masses to you know be exposed to it but it's you i don't know if you'll ever like be able to prove any of that yeah no there's no way to prove it or anything it's just interesting that it's been so opposed with it certain of these drugs having so little negative effect like, i don't even if that if that was the case if that was a conspiracy i, I think they they were wrong because if you're in weed legal states these days, there's no evidence that it opens up your average person's mind. It yeah, turns a yeah. lot of people into fucking morons. Denver is, was the worst, I thought. Just It's because it's a lot of tourists flying in like, oh, let's go get weed. And then you just got 
annoying people that are you but know, think, doing it for a novelty a result, experience. As a result of the like people smoking weed, I think that's as a result of it being um, taboo for a hundred years. No, I think it's as, in, a, re- in the early it's 19- as a result of people in general that the the propensity to have a mind opening experience and read it as such is actually not a very common thing. You know, I, I don't think a lot of people actually are inclined toward that experience. It's quite scary for a lot of people. No, but so supposedly the studies that they've been doing on um, psilocybin and ayahuasca of the people who have had that those experiences, the long-lasting effects of um, f- like fears and anxieties and things like that have um, are being proven that they mm. they are they they lost a long time after they've taken that drug. I mean, I think yeah, what, I what think Je- De- Jesse's what, saying you're saying dumb people are dumb people and like people no. that are not inclined no, to have an enlightening like moment. More, don't the masses are more inclined to numb their senses and numb their consciousness than to try to open it up, which I believe is true. But I think it's like it's a little difficult to tell um, because marijuana and stuff has just become legal. And for a hundred years, people have just been thinking it's taboo. And now they're now it is. It's tourists just wanting to go get as high as they can. Where if there wasn't the stigma of um, smoking weed that it maybe would have a different people would have a different approach to it or they wouldn't think about it in the same way yeah i i think with the psilocybin stats um you know that that's going to be hard to tell because i think most people who would be in that sample group you know are not your average person they're either in some sort of trial you know for psychiatric stuff or addiction stuff or you know that the this pre-selection and who's going to be part of that sample group uh, if you if you were able to do a widespread, um, you know, test on on psychedelic mushrooms, I don't know that the results would be the same as as they seem to be showing right now. Yeah, I mean that that's because there's a fuckload of kids and high school and college kids who all yeah. talk about their mushroom experiences, and I I don't see a change in them for the better, you know. Well, yeah, no, but even that, I don't know if you could you could make that judgment. I think it the way of discussing it and approaching it needs to be opened up and that's why it needs to become elite or it needs to become legal so that it's not uh so they can do legitimate studies and they can talk about it in a a normal like a mature way because uh, i'm just looking here like the ayahuasca there's been a a long-term study now uh, over um five years of ayahuasca with people with depression and after five to seven years of follow-up those patients that took it have like a very low recidivism, not recidivism, what's the word for? Um, remission. Remission um, rate, and also talk about it as the most, one of the most important experiences of their lives in terms of helping them with their depression. So, so I think if the conversation Again, I, opened up. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm just saying that I think the people who would be inclined to try something like that or would be in a situation where they might try something like that are already more open-minded or already open to an alternative approach. But, so it's yeah, going to skew the results. Uh, but the amount of the population of people who are inclined to try that but are dissuaded purely by legal issues yeah. is huge. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I don't think it's helping anyone. And I think that guy, uh, Paul Stamets, um, the mushroom guy on Joe Rogan, you know, was one of the most fascinating podcasts I've ever heard. And he, he, he is really hung up on not calling them shrooms. And I kind of get his point is that when you give it a nickname like that and everyone just talks about it like it's some party experience, you know, it totally diminishes the 
the possibilities of the substance, you know, for anything serious or anything good. Or it's, and it also gives the people who are opposed to it ammunition. Be like, oh, look, it's just a bunch of dumb kids who want to get out of their minds and fuck shit up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, and it's also opened it up to people who um, would never have thought to take something like marijuana for pain or for, um, for eating, you know, for hunger or I mean, for your appetite and things like that. Um, like they've seen enormous drops in overdose rates in states that have had uh, legalized marijuana of opiate overdoses for pain. Because like now you can take something that could never kill you. And so I think there are a lot of people that have, they were never open to that idea until I think if you legal. get enough weed and you drop it on somebody, you probably could kill them. <laughs> That's what, there's a very funny video. Of, tons. <laughs> there's a funny video of it. I think it was like Ron Paul or something like that in Congress trying to convince them to legalize marijuana. And he, he's, he's this old guy. And he's telling them that in order for you to overdose on marijuana, you would have to smoke a telephone pole <laughs> of, of marijuana. I think just, it was hemp. He was saying it to get high from normal hemp. Oh, yeah. For he, was, he was just trying to get hemp legalized. <laughs> yeah, it's... Can I make some fucking rope? <laughs> it's ludicrous. I think it's going to be interesting to see now in, these, in the legal states how badly it gets messed up on the other side of things because obviously industry now is involved and it's going to become a billion and probably a trillion dollar industry. So... It's going to go from, not that it was ever like a small thing, because if you watch Narcos, you see how big these grow operations were. But at the end of the day, it was still basically like a bunch of people growing plants, doing some engineering and grafting and, you know, some genetic engineering to create new strains that uh, isolate or increase THC and that sort of thing. And now it's going to get into a whole new level of, of pharmaceutical companies saying like, how can we squeeze three more percent THC out of this thing for another four dollars you know and it's going to yeah. be weird where it ends up we're going to end up with these Frankenstein weeds that have been like bulking up doing just arm day on THC when obviously <laughs> it's a very complicated compound <laughs> that it's whatever its effects are that might be positive are probably related to the balance of compound of, of chemicals within weed not just THC like that's the tendency of everything is always just like finding well, the one like, It's like element. everything, you know, like w- wine is good for you, but there's still companies out there making fucking, uh, what are, what are those drinks? Like, like really, really loco. high proof. Yeah, for, <laughs> for loco or whatever those things are that, you know, just high energy drinks with enormous amounts of so, alcohol that just like people were dying on. If you're going to work on marijuana strains, you're saying don't skip leg day then. <laughs> <laughs> but the, well, it's not, not ironically, but the, in order to study the fact that it's a combination you need to isolate shit first otherwise you wouldn't be able to study a combination yeah i yeah i i, I agree and it's inevitable and probably necessary but is it <laughs> like do we need to study it, it it's good everyone yeah. knows well, it's you good you don't need to study and you don't do need anything. to do it yeah. or you can do it it just who who fucking cares <laughs> there's some things that it's you know like it's is, like a pendulum every pendulum eventually swings back to the other side and and you know eventually loses all its momentum it will just settle in the middle um yeah like how many olive oil or like it whatever every year it's a new study on certain kinds of fats mm. and which ones are good for you and which ones are bad for you and at a certain point you just have to say i like the taste of olive oil if i eat it it makes me feel good 
I'm going to eat olive oil, you know? What like, was a recent one? It was coconut oil. Some uh, article was going around that said coconut oil is just instant poison it's poison yeah it's yeah. coconut oil is instant poison <laughs> <laughs> and yeah good well you can't ever trust where any study's coming from because obviously the anti-fat things in the 60s were all funded by the sugar companies mm. and then the pro-fat things now are probably funded by partially sometimes coconut <laughs> the coconut lobby <laughs> <laughs> This is Portlandia where it's with Steve Buscemi where he's <laughs> celery and he's trying to, you know, he's having a hard time getting celery the popularity it deserves. Yeah, <laughs> celery, big celery. <laughs> well, I think one of the, the best things about psilocybin becoming uh, legalized will be just knowing that it's actually psilocybin because there's supposedly there are, there's only like 5% of mushrooms in the world that can actually kill you that are poisonous. But that number is so big because mushrooms and fungi are like one of the biggest species or largest um, variety of species on Earth. So there's millions or hundreds of millions of species. So 5% of that is a lot of fucking things that can kill you. And there's like every year there's people, you know, picking mushrooms that end up picking the wrong thing and dying. So yeah, this this is going to be one of those podcast facts where I literally saw a headline in Posse. <laughs> Um, and I don't know anything about it, but it was interesting. It was uh, something I saw. This there was, pre- it was previously supposed that the brain or the surface of the brain was sterile or you know, oh, completely yeah. clean, um, but now they're saying that there's a microbial sort of um, skin or you know microbiome. The, yeah, in in your brain, and that an imbalance of the microbiome in your brain can lead to all kinds of mental issues or like, or Alzheimer's or, you know, degenerative diseases and stuff like that. Um, uh-huh. But t- to me, that's just, the, if that's the case, and I'm uh, saying it correctly, it's just another indication that we are not this self, con- I mean, we're not this standalone being, you know, we're like a collection of microorganisms that are dictating every part of our life and you think your thoughts are your own but you know, it's probably tiny little mushrooms and <laughs> little organisms that are deciding what you should be thinking today you know and they have their own they're collecting their armies of, for their cause and pushing your thoughts in one direction we just have to have a b- bad stomach because of something you eat or a stomach bug or something and see how radically that affects your thoughts I don't mean uh, it, it, it changes your entire outlook and nervousness and level of anxiety the like messing with your stomach gut biome and it's not just oh i feel sick because you don't have it's not the same when you get a stomach bug versus you know a cold or an achy joint or something it's completely different the way it affects your whole kind of psychology Mm. and it's the what are they what are the receptors in your stomach that there are millions of it effectively is a second brain in your stomach well they're they're now classifying scientists are now classifying your gut as a second brain because they've you know they're discovering that it's it's so complex like hundreds of millions of neurons and and microbes and bacteria and stuff that don't more than the spinal cord that they are noticing that it it gives you sensations and and sends you information and and triggers and stuff that's not necessarily related related to your brain brain and so that it's it's kind of it's separate and they're calling it a second brain now yeah and then think about how i wouldn't say discounted but ignored or looked over 
diet is in all forms of health, not just physical health, but mental health. And then you look at what, on average, what most people are eating, particularly in, the, in Western countries, particularly in America. Well, and, to, and, and then not to presume that there's a direct connection between that, you know, it's kind of crazy. Also, what's the, Colton, maybe you can look this up, but something like most doctors get... Two weeks. Two weeks of nutritional, uh, I don't know, something ridiculous, like a single digit hours of um, nutrition yeah. uh, courses. Yeah, I remember I met a doctor once at some party, and he was a, he was a uh, gastrointestinal doctor, you know, in his maybe 50s or whatever, and been practicing forever. And I asked him, you know, how much diet plays a part in your gastrointestinal health. And he says, virtually nothing. He says, oh. <laughs> he says, he says That's, that that stuff is foo-foo. <laughs> Dude, and I was like, foo-foo. this guy has went to you fucking have his medical school. He's treating revoked. people. Like, that's, an, that's one of those things where you wish there was a God that just came out of the sky and said, okay, sorry, you no longer get to practice hey, go medicine. <laughs> go eat some... Uh, you know the scope on that is funny too because he's some a gastroenterologist who who won't acknowledge diet, and then on the other side is gastroenterologist blending up shit and putting it into pills and having people eat swallow that to repopulate their <laughs> microbiome. You're gonna have, have to explain that anything. one, Dan. I don't think that many people are aware of that treatment. <laughs> I bet you I, it, may, it was one of those things that was making the news. It's basically they're using other people's poop to repopulate somebody's gut if it's been. It's in, well, they're using it in extreme cases where people have got seriously like, yeah. fucked up stomach. But it saved people's lives. Yeah, no, they're it, having success with it. It's yeah. basically, it's a, I think they call it a fecal transplant. Yeah. Because they are trying to basically, you can get an, uh, a, a very bad gro- overgrowth of certain gut floor that just takes over. It's almost impossible to change mm. without this radical approach. Yeah. So they're having luck with it and... Hope to God you never have to de- yeah. <laughs> deal with that treatment. Uh, well, just it's a new campaign for the Nutribullet. It's supposedly an old, like an ancient um, remedy. Is that where the phrase? <laughs> is that where the phrase? I'm just giving you shit comes from. <laughs> um, I would also have to verify this, but I'm pretty sure they've been doing it in uh, parts of Asia for a long yeah. time, where they would they would uh, basically drink fermented. Oh God, human shit if for for gut yeah i've heard of that which sounds ludicrous but now but now looking back on now that all this research is coming out about gut bacteria and how it's actually uh not crazy you think how how do they know that you know you're gonna you're gonna sign up for that clinical trial (laughs) (laughs) how much are they paying an hour so do is that what dogs are doing when they're eating shit because dogs certain dogs eat poop a lot no i think that (laughs) that is this this discussion has gone full circle, like the circle of life. Yeah. So what is this, Colton, that you found? I mean, look, it's another website, so who the fuck knows if it's true? But there is a, what is it, 19.6 hours, according to a 2010 across report in academic years. medicine, across four years, that's the average amount of time that is given in nutri- nutrition education in medical school. Which, if that's if that is the case, if that study is an accurate study, that I've is taken flights insane. longer than that. It's yeah. <laughs> I mean, for like general practitioners, you could almost just reverse everything they've learned. If they if they only studied nutrition, they'd probably do um, more good than if they studied everything else in their career. Yeah, that's insane. 
Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna verify. What are we gonna eat on tour? Well, That's my question. Potatoes, eggs. We're bringing our egg cooker and our potato and rice cooker. That's well, gonna smell great on that bus. Uh, okay, sorry, I'm I'm not wrong. Seventeen hundred years ago, the idea of fecal microbiota, microbiota transplantation (FMT) was described as an ancient Chinese researcher of the fourth century by the name Gi Hong. That's what happens um, if you who do first one used hour what he called yellow soup. <laughs> <laughs> he first used what he called yellow soup to treat his patients with severe diarrhea. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I'm glad that th- note. Th- there's certain eras you see portrayed in movies, the Middle Ages one of being one of them that I cannot imagine living in that yeah. like the health and it's just I picture just walking around in mud all day. It's just mud, mud, mm. mud. I uh, back to food on tour. <laughs> Once we get into the cold countries or the cold <laughs> cities, I think it's gonna be like a, for me like every other day Indian food. <laughs> it's the best food for cold weather. Yeah, yeah. What? Where did we go? We went. Did you come with us in Canada? One Why time is we that? Because most Indian food, if you think about it, I know there are regions in north and northern India that are cold. You know, in, in the Himalayas and all that. But m- most of the stuff we're eating, I don't think it's from those regions. It's from like Bombay or Mumbai. And I think it's because you know, like it's eaten you can't in hot countries. It. You can't wing. No, no, no. I, I don't mean why is it good. I mean why do we associate like a nice hot curry on a cold day when most curries that you're eating would typically be eaten in tropically hot No, no, areas. no, that's not true. The The northern dishes, or well, like dal makhani and any of the northern dishes are cold, cold places. I think the, the dishes with tons of dairy yeah. and butter and stuff like that are more northern. I could just yeah. be making but it's, that up. Yeah, but yeah, so it's the fat and the spice that kind of generate a heat when you eat them, you know? you you've, it, If you're eating that in a hot climate, you feel it and you don't feel that good. So also the spices are the reason it's good around the world is because all of the ingredients are dried that you right. cook with, so yeah. you can cook with them anywhere. I mean, you can get them anywhere pretty much. It's too bad we don't have Garen on this tour because Garen is like the Yelp professional. Or who who used to do it before we'd arrive in a city? Maybe it was Hayden from Sir Sir Sly. No, Garen is the Garen's the guy that we would arrive in a city and either pull up in the bus or get off the flight, and you could just. Put, you could put blinders on like a horse and just follow Garen and you would end up at a, either a good coffee shop <laughs> or a good restaurant. Uh, sometimes, I, you know, I, I second guess his food choices sometimes, but he's pretty good with coffee shops. Yeah, First thing I, in the morning, you can walk out the bus and just follow Garen and you'll find yourself at a good coffee I shop. I did find myself following him a few times and realizing <laughs> that I wasn't paying attention to anything and I like, didn't know where we're going and he could have just, he could have been leading us anywhere. Mm. <laughs> That's why he's dead to us. Um, no, but I think it was Hayden, it was Hayden or someone from Sir Sly when we were on tour with them. They would they would do their research like the night before um, <laughs> on which restaurants to go to in the city, and so they'd have like a, a favorites on Yelp or you know a list of Yelp's yeah. things, and they'd have read the menu. And well, I'll tell you, the first stop on this tour is San Francisco. So I don't oh, know yeah. how far away we are from Tartine, but we should send a runner or one of us should go grab <laughs> some stuff from Tartine. There's a bakery there that is. Mm. I think I'm going to get bread. noodle soup or something like that in San Francisco. Yeah. It's going to be pretty chilly out there. San Francisco is always cold. It's the bison. worst weather in the world. Well, yeah, we're getting, <laughs> we're getting graduated into the cold because we go San Francisco, Portland, 
Seattle, Vancouver. It's like moderately cold and then three days to get via Banff to Edmonton. So that's La- going to be insane. The last time we were in San Francisco, it was cold and windy, obviously. And I walked from the hotel. I was like sick, so I wanted to go get ramen, you know, at a cold. And I found this place and uh, got there. You couldn't make a reservation. You couldn't do anything. You had to just stand in line. And it was like a 40-minute wait where people just standing in line to go and basically stand at a table and eat ramen. So I said, fuck that. and got Indian food. (laughs) (laughs) Walked back back up the fucking hill like a a, a pilgrimer. Last time we were in San Francisco, Mo uh, ate four weed mints before he got on the plane and flew home. (laughs) 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 You always tell him, take one or two. Okay, I'll take all five and get on the plane. (laughs) He takes three hours to get through security. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well. Yeah, let's wrap this up. Get back in the studio, get rehearsing. Um, If you haven't got tickets yet, Get them now at congress.com slash shows. If you're a Patreon subscriber, thank you. And, you know, check the site, patreon.com slash congo. So uh, the next couple of days, we'll post a link to stream the album. And then if you're a ticket holder, head to congress.com slash 1929. That's 1929 to sign uh, up and get the uh, download or the streaming link for the new album. Let's just briefly talk about the acoustic thing because we've been learning some new songs acoustically it's going to be i think quite cool the vip performance and a lot of the cities are actually selling fast some are sold out on some of the packages so if you want to see us play brand new songs and other songs that we've never done in an acoustic way because a lot of the vips are probably on patreon and they're listening to this podcast and uh, I've seen us multiple times. We're going to be doing different songs, and that's kind of exciting for us. It's, it's always interesting to hear a song in that way that we've never even thought of to do that way. And uh, yeah, so yeah, especially get your if you're going to get VIP tickets and you don't want to miss out on the acoustic stuff. Those are the ones to get now. Don't wait around till you know the day before because we limit those. Usually, we limit them to about twenty. I think you know max like yeah, twenty five um, people so that it stays intimate. So. All right, guys, we'll see you, talk to you next week, either from our rehearsal space or a little later on on the bus, and uh, see you out on the road. (laughs) ¶¶